Hey y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. On this episode, the podfather himself, Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games, joins the guys to discuss the difference in releasing games today versus 10 years ago. Also, Melissa and Sarah from Tantrum House talk about Tantrum Con, and the guys give us a five-minute initiative for Everdale. Hello and welcome again to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, the podcast that has been the background noise for board gamers for six years running. This is episode 163. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. And this is called the Bridge to Chasmdom. Not to, of. Bridge of Chasmdom. That's from Lord of the Rings, right? Yes, that is the that is the music that is playing as they are escaping the mines of Moria. That was also a card in our Lord of the Rings CCG, too, I think. That's right. And the whole premise behind this, and the reason why I bring this up is, you know, Gandalf is standing on the bridge, and what does he say to the Balrog? He said, yo! You ain't getting by me, fool. So I was sitting there thinking, what song do I need to do? I'm sitting here, you and I, because we have a very special guest on tonight. We've got a bunch of special guests, but one of them is a good friend, Stephen Bodencore. Yes. And I was sitting there, you and I sitting there going, you will not do your, what was that called? Oh, crap. His spiel. What's that called? Wow. That was a joke that just totally fell out on his face right there. Oh. We set it up. We set up, cuz over there just dropped it on the floor. It's way down there. I can't, I don't even know what it is down there. You know what it is. It's, it's the spill sheet, his spill. Don't, you will not pontificate your spill. Oh man, I had it. I had this all set up and I've lost it. We've had, uh, should we name the show something else? No, cuz it's not worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's paying attention anyway. Right now, we're just lulling people to sleep. We're the Muzak of the board game uh, board game podcast group. You know, Muzak is like it's there, but you don't notice it. And then when you finally hear it, you just realize how annoying it is. That's us. That's it. Then uh, we've living up to it so far in the first three minutes. I'm excited about that. But we've had an eventful week. Oh my gosh, we did. We had a wonderful weekend because out of the blue. Our good friend and designer, Rob Davio, reached out to us and said, hey, you guys live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we went, yeah, kind of hesitantly. He's like, yeah, where is this going? He has a bunch of friends that he gets with uh, a couple times a year just to get together across the country and game. And it just so happens that this year they decide to come and hang out in little old Charlotte, North Carolina, so uh, over the weekend, you and I went and hung out with Rob Davio and his buddies and played games all day. Okay, we're going to preface this. You got to go do that because me and my new job, uh, been in it for a year, got to go get on conference calls because of the snowstorm that was going through one of our territories. So I was on conference calls beginning at 8 a.m., throughout the entire day and there was a break and I'll, I'm sitting there thinking this this is awesome I'm so excited that I get to go do this while you get around there and hobnob with everybody playing games and did you get to play some good games yeah yeah I did have you ever heard of a game called Holding On The Troubled Life of Billy Carr it came out at Gen Con last year I have I, it's, it's got that weird box like the guys is in a coma or something I don't know it was weird that's kind of what it is so there's there's an accident and he's uh, basically in the, uh, the uh, intensive care. And the whole goal of the game is is to try to keep him alive long enough 
to ask him questions about his life and put together the pieces of his life that tells a story. And this is a co-op game. It has a very much of a pandemic feel. There are events that happen and you assign workers to go things like keep them alive or ask them questions. And when you ask them a question, it reveals these cards, these um, cards that just have like some sort of images on them. And these images are part of his life, part of a timeline that you're trying to construct and uh, find out his story. Well, this is a game that's played basically over the course of 10 scenarios, and we played the very first one. So you didn't really get the full scenario, but over the course of 10, then you'll find out what happened his whole life. It was one of those things where the co-op game portion itself was kind of vanilla, but the adding in the component of, well, the whole goal is to try to figure out his life story through these images that you're that you're looking through a deck and finding and putting them in like a timeline... That's the cool part of the game. Did you win? Uh, we did. Uh, it's one of the, and it's one of those good co-op games where you know Rob Davio was saying, you know, a good co-op game you should lose fifty percent of the time. Well, we came close to losing, but on our very last turn, we had to uh, successfully complete the scenario objectives. Each scenario has certain objectives you're trying to meet. We have to meet them on the very last turn, and we we happen to win. So I was glad to get to experience that. A lot of people don't like it because they say it's really depressing. I guess if you really get into the theme of the fact is this guy's on his deathbed and his pulse is starting to drop. It's, it's funny when you, you have a choice on your turn, you can either help him uh, resuscitate him or you can ask him questions like, eh, whatever. He's going to go flatline in a few minutes. Let's ask him as many questions <laughs> as we can before he passes. It was like a, so it almost became like a joke. But I guess it's one of those things. I guess if you really get into the theme of it, it could be somewhat depressing, but it, it was good. So where was the replay value in this? Well, after 10 scenarios, I don't know that there is, okay. but it's not a legacy game, so you're not marking it up or anything, so you can easily trade it off to somebody else. There's no reason why you just couldn't play the scenarios again if you just want to try to do better next time, but at that time, you'll probably know the story. And you're also not supposed to move on to the next scenario till you win. To get the story, that uh, the portions of the story you need, you need to finish every scenario. So if you fail, you're supposed to replay it over and over again, unlike you know Pandemic Legacy, where it kind of forces you through the game, mm -hmm. even if you lose. Okay. Now, see, and I got to play um, this weekend, also Friday night, got to put Black Orchestra back on the table. And we talked about that in a previous episode. And we actually won this time. And nice. I know I was, I was real pleased with it, but I played it with my wife and a couple of our friends. And one of the people, they're not real big on co-op games, but I was hoping the history of that game would bring him in and he would enjoy it. And so I think, Oh yeah, that's when uh, Germany did this or, Oh yeah, I remember that. And give us a little backstory history on this. These are the, our friends uh -huh. that went to Germany and you know, all my hopes were right there. And no, it didn't happen. I was kind of, I was like, really of all the co-ops, he's like, no, I, just, I prefer having that, you know, single player type game enjoys Carcassonne uh, and games like mm -hmm. that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I tried, but hey, we did yeah. we, we did win on easy. I'm still looking forward to getting that to the table. What else did you get over at Davio's? Anything? Got to play the Quacks of Quasel. Mm -hmm. Quas yeah, that that I got to play that again. I got to play that at BGG Con again. You know what? It's a it's a fine game. It's one of these games probably people have heard about. You're drawing uh, tokens out of a bag, and you're trying to. Uh, it's it's kind of a push your luck game. There's poison in the bag. And if, if the value of your poison exceeds seven, you have to stop. Again, you're trying to pull out tokens, and as you pull out tokens, they kind of go around a spiral. Wherever you stop, there's a point value that you can spend, for, put more tokens in the bag, and also get victory points. 
it's cute, but I tell you, Tony, I'm just not really into Euro games meshed with push your luck. Because again, I run the odds, man. In my mind, I'm running the odds, the averages. Like, oh, there's really only one out of seven in here that can hurt me. Oh, there's the one out of seven. That's just, that's just great. So anyway, it's it's a fine game. It's it's a great game for kids to learn and stuff like that. But the game that I was really excited to play, I can't talk about. I understand. <laughs> Rob Davio showed off one of his uh, games that's going to be coming out from Restoration Games. It's going to be announced in a few months. So hang on. But I got to play a, a demo version of it. And I think people are really going to like it. And in fact, I talked to Rob. Him and Justin are going to come on the show right as they're going to announce it so that we can talk to them all about it. But I brought that up, not talk about the game, but because I got to see some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Rob's wife, Lindsay, is the graphic designer for Restoration Games. And some of this game that we're talking about has cards in it. And we have suggestions on the cards and making stuff more readable, like the fonts bigger. You know how how we ask at Imperial Settlers for the font to be made bigger so we can read it? And we're also going to mention this on a game that we're going to review today. But actually, so as I'm sitting, it's like, well, some of this font's easy to read. So Lindsay he pulls up her Mac and she starts typing away and, and, and changing stuff. And all of a sudden the fonts just start getting bigger and bigger. She said, how does that look? Does that look good? I said, oh my gosh, you're awesome. It's like, fine. That's what we'll go to print. Bigger fonts. I went, it's that easy. Ignacy, it's that easy. That's all you got to do. Okay. So I was going to save this rant for after our review Uh-oh. of Avondale. I mean, Everdale. Everdale, excuse me. And I have not ranted on the show in a long time. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm sitting back. I'm going to enjoy this. We kid Ignacy about fonts. We we joke about Imperial Settlers and things like that. But when we were playing Everdale, that's going to be one of our big knots. We have on here fonts. And when you have fonts that you cannot understand what the tokens are as part of it because the words are so much... How hard is it? Okay, I understand. I don't understand a word you just said. The tokens on it, the words the, are the, so The icons, much. the icons. And then all of a sudden, the words are on the paragraph of what you have to do on the card. you got all these words that, that it keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then you can't even make out the iconography at the bottom because we had this one icon about taking any resource. And we're like, what is that? I can't tell. Come on, I understand that you want to show off your graphic artist, that the beautiful drawing right there, but what are you doing? I'll admit I'm Marty and I are a bit of the aged group, and I'll admit my eyesight's not as good as the other, but think about it. It's not that hard. Why do you make me go out and buy $18 readers? I haven't bought in the Sam's multi-pack yet. All you had to do was move it up a little bit. Maybe cut out some words. I don't know. Do something like that. That about drove me insane in that game, Everdale. I was sitting there thinking, all you had to do was push it up a little bit. What do you mean push it up? Push, push up the graphic words push them up you mean okay wow you've lost all focus you got me going too early you mean increase the font is that what you mean by raise up oh no push the box where the font is sitting over the graphic artist over the art and the card you know what i'm saying you know how ignacy has this great cute little oh you mean make the box bigger yeah and go over the art what is that beautiful art doing? It's looking beautiful, but is it helping the gameplay? Is it so cute? You know, those are some cute woodland creatures in Everdale. Those are some cute little amazing Amazons in Imperial Settlers. All you got to do is move it up. How hard is that? Okay, 
Maybe it is hard. No, it's not. Because I saw Lindsay sit there basically and make adjustments. Somebody said, that doesn't look like a one. It looks like an I. She said, hold on for a second. She started typing again. It's like, all right, here are four different ones. Which one is the most readable? It's like, that one is. Sweet. Copy, paste over every single card. Okay, that's it. That's done. So it can be done. Yeah. But anyway, it was just really cool to see uh, somebody working on the art and the graphic design of the card and all the stuff that goes into it. But yeah, I I, I totally am with you, Tony. Um, we're we're randing on a game we didn't even talked about yet. But there were two icons that were almost indistinguishable to me, and that was the berry icon that was in the text. Uh-huh. And and the um any. and the any resource icon both were round, both of them didn't have very much distinguishing marks. They looked the same. In fact, many times I would grab a berry and they said, "Well, Marty, that's that's the other one." Oh, oh, my bad. No, no, I, I get it. And I guess probably one of the things you know. And again, now to be fair, it was you. <laughs> Me and Rob, and Rob is the youngest of all of us at 48 years old, so, so. I know, that puts me in my place, you know. (laughs) Just go get glasses, you old fart, and stop grumbling about it, and just deal with the fact that you don't see as well as you used to. I don't want to admit it. I know I don't want to admit it. And and then, when Rob was there, I love how he gingerly put me in my place about rule books. He, He was awesome. What do you mean? For those who weren't there, which is like everybody listening. I mean, I sat there and was making comments about when we were going through the rule book in Everdale. I'm like, well, you would think it was right here, but no, it's back here. And he looks at me in a very soft Rob Davio voice and says, have you ever written a rule book? (laughs) He said, it was like this. Have you ever written a rule book? He said knowingly. Knowingly. And I'm like, no, but I've written a technical manual thank you for work and procedures thank you i think flow charts are awesome he goes well i've got a shirt that has a game flow chart in it did the tower fall yes you lose they're talking about jenga is that and actually we talked about talking about flow charts about the idea of using flow charts and rule books and he's he's played around with the idea of doing something like that too when you think about a flow chart because i've thought about doing videos for the show of doing just flow charts i'm like i tell you if, if you were to start like doing some flow charts or some very popular board games and post that on uh, Board Game Geek, you get a lot of love for that. Or do videos where you like kind of like walk through That's the decision what I tree and stuff like that. I, and I did that for Street Masters. I remember that. Where I sweated and uh, anyway. <laughs> hey, but you know what? I, I, you just had this little rant. And, and even though nobody may listen to you on increasing the fonts on cards, we do listen to you on other things. About a year and a half oh, ago. Oh, God. You were like, I can't remember the name of our website. Because every time at the end of the show, you'd be like, what is it? Uh, RollingDiceTakingNames.com? No, Tony, it's Roll Dice Take Names. You just couldn't get it right. So I said, finally, I'm going to go make this easier for Tony. So I went and purchased the URL RollingDiceAndTakingNames.com. So now if you type that in, it will go to the correct website. Okay, okay, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's the name of our podcast well it's rolling dice and taking names but i thought that was too long to type in so we shortened it to roll dice and take names i rest my case i still regret the name of this stupid show six years later but anyway so i fixed it for you so you couldn't screw it up so as you were announcing it you couldn't mess it up well it just so happens over the past couple months (laughs) you can't say the word pod pledge and every time you say it it comes out podge pledge to the point that now even i (laughs) 
can't even say the word pod pledge correctly without having to think about it. Used to, it just used to roll off the tongue. Pod pledge, pod, pod pledge. pledge. Pod but now pledge. it's all this on podge, podge, pledge, something, whatever. Well, because of you not being able to get this right and people not being able to get to the correct site, Chaz Marler, who uh, designed and runs the podpledge.com website, has for you and only you, Tony, went out and purchased podgepledge.com so now that if you type in podgepledge.com it will take you to the podpledge page as it should <laughs> so together both Chaz and I are Tony trying to Tony proof the internet for people so that people will not get confused when they go to a web address that you announce on the show so you would have thought Chaz would have learned from paradise Paradise. <laughs> See, that's like, no, I, I, okay, I agree. When you say his his show real quick, it sounds like just paradise twice. Paradise, 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 paradise. Say paradise. Par- wow, I can't even say it. Paradise, 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 pair of dice. Yeah, exactly. No, it's no way. What is this show? Oh, pair of dice, paradise. paradise. Right. Wow. See, either way, you would think from that, which he has said on our show, that he also says that was not a smart move. And yet he comes back with something that is an alliteration. It's not an alliteration, but anyway, pod pledge. Okay. So, but if you say it too fast, podge pledge. Uh, oh, God. Mm, you know, so, but thank you, Chaz, for taking care of me as only you can do with that. And I, and, and thank you again, Chaz, for sending me, see, he's, he's helping me. He sent me a copy of the Beastie Boys Sabotage uh, CD. So I, I've gotten to listen to that. Thank you. Thank you, Chaz. I would have never have listened to it had it not been from him because I didn't think it would be my style of music. There are mm-hmm. some very interesting tracks on there. Very good tracks. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize he did that. So he sent you a copy of the album Sabotage from Beastie Boys? Yeah, I think that's the name of it. It's got the Sabotage, which you know you and I uh, named a, a recent show that we did, Sabotage. And he heard that I had never heard that. He sent it, and he was like, it's one of his favorite albums. And I can understand why. I, I do not listen to a lot of the, I don't know if it's politically correct anymore, rap music that came out then. So I never gave it a shot. <laughs> what do you mean it's not political? It's know. still called rap music. Is it? I don't know what they call these, the young music. I don't know what these kids call things today. By the way, it's called, oh Lord, is it Ill Communication? Uh, Sabotage not the name of the album. No, I think you're right. Ill Communication. I don't know. It's out of yeah. my car in my... um. Or three communication. I don't know. It's either ill or or I don't There's know. There's a Zoom feature on your browser that you can blow up the font. Well, no, no, no. It looks like <laughs> three capital I's. See, this is the same situation we had when we was playing this game from uh, Rob. We couldn't tell whether the one was an I or a one. And then Lindsay just magically fixed it. It was amazing. I've already talked about that. Hey, you know what else? But uh, Talking about guests coming to the city? Check this out. The real famous games cafe up in toronto canada snakes and lattes is looking to expand now they've already moved into arizona and they're considering moving to charlotte so they reached out to us and said hey would y'all like to meet downtown sometime and tell us about the uh the environment here the gaming environment the landscape and we want to see if this is a good location uh, for us to consider so they spent several days riding around the city looking for possible locations and now snakes and lattes is seriously considering coming to charlotte and opening a game cafe which is 
pretty flipping cool. That is pretty cool. I hate I could not meet with them. They, I had something already planned that evening. Now, did you get to sit down and talk to them? I did. And it was just basically, hey, you know, what, what gaming stores are currently in the area? Where in Charlotte is there not a good gaming store? Uh, you know, they're looking for a place that can get a lot of foot traffic. So I won't go into the details of the areas of Charlotte because that would make no sense to anybody else mm-hmm. unless you live in Charlotte. But they're just looking for a really good place to open where it has some decent parking and stuff like that. So I'm hoping over in the in the next year that we'll hear something and maybe they'll move down here. That'd be that would be really cool. It's uh that is really neat that they kind of cater more towards not necessarily hardcore gamers. They can come and hang out, but it's more for the people who just kind of want, hey, I want to come in and have a coffee or something to eat. Oh, and there happens to be board games that we can play. So it's a really good way to introduce people that may not be into board games into this hobby. What I find interesting is they came to Charlotte. Is that why they came to Charlotte? Because you live no, here? No, but I live here so I can understand why I have my doubt. Of why they came here? Mm-hmm. Because I live in Charlotte. I'm like, what's so special about this city? Well, I think they also knew somebody that 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 lived in this area to consider. This area is a pretty good haven for designers, podcasts, video creators. I, there's a lot of stuff going here in the hobby. Yeah. And I mean, I posted this on our Podge pledge. Uh, now you can say it now. No, I can't. Uh, <laughs> on our backer channel in Slack that, you know, United Van Lines put out their stats for 2018, take it for a grain of salt. But if they did say, you know, of the states that people are flocking to, you have the West Coast states minus California. And this is on the stats. I'm not saying anything about California. This is their stats. And then they also listed South Carolina, North Carolina, and Florida as places where people are flocking to. And Vermont. We're a growing area, I guess. So, okay, that makes sense. And then maybe they consider that, too. Maybe they looked at, you know, where people, where's growing areas. And, and Charlotte has been one of the, the, the bigger growing areas for, geez, probably the past 20 years. It's so funny. Around here when people ask me where I'm from and I'm saying I'm here, it's like, wow, I've never met anybody from here. It's like, where do you think we came from? You think it was just like empty wasteland when you got here? People were here before you got here, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. I mean, wait a minute, Marty. I'm hearing the chime of the another hangout. I think Stephen's waiting for us. Do we need to? Can we? Can we make him wait a little bit? Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games. That's right, Stephen Bonacore. He's coming on the show. That's right. I'm so excited. We haven't talked to Stephen in a while. Oh, yeah, let, I can't wait. So let's go talk to him and hang out with him for a bit. Miniature Market is known for its daily deals, but recently they have introduced something called The Drop. So each day they're going to have a daily deal, but what happens instead of the deal being done at the end of the day? If the supplies are still there, each day they're going to cut that deal by a certain percentage. And now, Tony, over the past several weeks, we have about 14 or 15 games that have come out and just continually drop until they're like really, really cheap prices. But at some point, Tony, those things are going to sell out. But it's such a fun little game to watch. Like, ooh, I'm interested in that game, but how low will it go before I push the buy button? This is a brilliant marketing idea. Yeah, when is your threshold? What is it for you? I know I've designed a spreadsheet where I'm able to type in the percentage and the beginning rate, and I can sit there and look and say, hmm, so that's my price point. I I believe that's going to be my price point. All I got to do is go out there and grab it. It's a fun little game, and then if, if you don't get it, 
You feel sad. And some of these games that's been out there for like a week or so are already like 50% off what they were when they were originally listed. For example, Tony, one that you and I are looking at, Warhammer 40k Dice Masters, mm -hmm. is, is as of this recording, 32% cheaper than when they initially announced it. Yeah, so what's our point? What is it, 50%? Is it 52? Do you think we can get 54? That's the gamble, right? Because we may make up one day and say, this is the day I buy and they're gone. So this is great. You can go out to miniaturemarket.com slash the dash drop or just look on their main page up at the menu, the drop. A great new way to see what games are on sale and once you find one on sale, play a little game along with it. Push your luck. How low can it go? Check them out at miniaturemarket.com. It is very rare for Tony and I to get into a deep, heady discussion, and typically that is not something we want to do by ourselves, so we usually bring on somebody that's way smarter than us to do so, which is why we're excited to have back on the show from Stronghold Games, Stephen Bonacle. Whoa, 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 you forgot one important thing, Marty. You said Stronghold Games, you got to keep the oh, merger going. I am going. so sorry. It is Indie Games. It's Stronghold Games, a a subsidiary of Indie Games Studios or something like or that. Indie from Indie Games point. Alliance? Yeah. Indie Game Studios. See, oh, it is Studios. See, who listens Indie to Game his podcast? Studios. That's right. I'm right here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm loving you, man. By the way, hello. This Yes, this is Steve Abonagar, president of Stronghold Games, who also is the spokesperson for the greater entity known as Indie Game Studios, which includes Stronghold Games, Indie Boards and Cards, and Action Phase Games. Oh, he's already gone into salesman pitch. All right, let's go ahead and get off that. Here we go. No, hold on, hold on. Before we, before we go, Marty, I got one very important question to ask Stephen. Actually, I have two. Two very uh -oh. important questions. Are you ready, sir? Yes. Okay, first question. What is your temperature right now in Florida? I <laughs> before you jumped on here, <laughs> we were just talking. At the moment, and it's 7.12 p.m., it's 65 degrees. It's a chilly 65 degrees. And by the way, what is it by you? About 20? 32. Oh, hey, you're warm compared to like the middle of like yeah. Illinois and New Jersey and things like that. But yeah. to be fair, this is the this is the cold spell we're going through right now yes. that we're recording. So this isn't normal for us at all. Being so, our high today was thirty something. That's that's not wow. Normal. Yeah, for you, that's that's pretty darn pretty darn cold. Uh, only a high of uh, sixty seven degrees today, and normally is about seventy or so degrees here in South Florida. So lovely, lovely weather here all the time. Uh, sorry you cannot experience it as we do. I'm sorry. But we know that since you have such lovely weather, you have to cut your grass constantly. So what mower do you own? I, I use the mower known as, uh, what's the guy's name? I knew it. <laughs> you use a guy. You know a guy, don't you? Piper Lawn Services or something like that? No, dude, I didn't, I didn't have a... a I didn't do it. I didn't do it in New Jersey, and I don't do it here. No, 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 no. I can't. I cannot cut my lawn. That's crazy talk. Too much work. I got too much. I got to run a game company. I cannot cut my lawn. I'm sorry. It's therapeutic. Cutting a lawn's therapeutic. I know, and I would get good exercise if I did it. I, sh I probably should because I'm not exercising enough. But <laughs> yeah, based on all those f Facebook posts you got of drinking stuff at by the poolside, you know, you better watch that. Those calories can go to your hips. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. But. Uh, it is lovely down here in Florida, and anytime you gentlemen want to make a road trip down here, you're more than welcome. 
to my home. Before we hit record, Tony, he said that we had a space down there, a room that we could stay in. That's an open invitation right there, baby. I did. Well, I'll be actually uh, in uh, Orlando next Monday, but I'm only there for one day meeting. So I just, I'll plan it out. So maybe that while I'm down there for work, I can come swing. Well, there's no swing into where you're at. I mean, Orlando's about two, two and a half hours. That's a little bit too far, but, uh, uh, you know, for like a day trip. But uh, sure, no, if you ever happen to be anywhere between Orlando and where Tom is at the south tip of Florida, you know, please do uh, let me know and we'll see if we can arrange something. It'll be great to see you guys in a non- game convention setting. And if I, what are you sipping on right now, sir? Because it looks refreshing. It is a very... They, <laughs> it's, re- it's really good that you say it looks refreshing on a uh, an audio podcast. But yes, we're, <laughs> we're sharing our video here so they can see me in my unshaven state and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I threatened to take a picture of this and share it on Twitter. And he went, <laughs> no, no! I was like, no, no. But I'm, I'm uh, having... Um, a, it's called a Juicy IPA... By uh, New Belgium. New Belgium, the guys who make Fat Tire, that's their biggest one. It's a New England-style IPA. Very hazy, as at least you can see, your viewers cannot. Uh, hazy and very juicy uh, notes of like orange and, um, and, and, and citrus fruits, basically, are in these New England IPAs. You know what I don't see, Marty? Is that he's not enjoying that in a rolling dice and taking name mason jar that he received from us. I am wanting to point that out. Do I have to go into my kitchen and grab it? I have it on my shelf. It's just really up there high on like my display like display. Uh, area. <laughs> I have an underclass display area. I can go find it. It's in no, it's that, in there. No, don't just go find things and, and try to appease us. We know All better right. than that. There we go. The re- the reason why I was asking about that, because uh if you don't know, Steven is is really into he's I guess a beer connoisseur, beer aficionado. And I remember a couple years ago at Gen Con, uh, when Secret Cabal had one of their uh, special dinners for some yes. of their backers. Uh, Steve, Stephen went into this whole thing about how beer is made and the science and stuff behind beer. It was really super interesting. So if you're ever around Stephen and you want to talk about something besides games, uh, hit him for some knowledge on beer because it's really interesting. Without a doubt, beer is my second passion in life. So a uh, craft brewing is my second passion. Absolutely. All right. So the reason why we had you on, we talked about wanting to get heady. And here's here's what happened. So a few weeks ago, uh, we were sitting around the table playing the uh, new game from uh, Steph, one of the new games from Stefan Feld, Carpe Diem. Uh, this is a game that just recently came out. It's probably a little bit of a lighter fare. And we learned the game. We played the game. We all sat around, looked at each other. And we thought, you know, that was really enjoyable. We, we enjoyed that. And it's like, will we ever play it again? And we all thought, Maybe, maybe, but there's other things in this same field, this this same point salad thing that we may play instead. And I asked them, I said, you know, what would have happened if this game would have came out like in 2008 and we played it? And they all were the, the same mindset. Oh, I would have liked it a lot more back then. Because we were talking about how there's so many games coming out every year now that it's harder for one game to stick out among all the others. It's a very competitive field where maybe 10 to 15 years ago, a game that would have been hot then may not even show up on the radar now because it's competing against so many other things. So Tony and I thought about having a uh, Stephen Ong as a publisher who's constantly looking at games to bring out because it, it's his business. He wants to bring out that game that's going to catch fire 
and get hot, pretty much like ter- terraforming Mars did. So let me see if I'm first right. Steven, is, is my premise, am I on the right track in thinking this, that if, if a game that was maybe hot 15 years ago came out today, it may not do as well just because of the competition in itself? You're completely wrong. No, I'm just kidding. You are, <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for coming on, Stephen. This is not going to be as deep of a discussion as I thought it was going to be. That's why we have smarter people on than us. Yeah, after that long discussion or introduction, here we go. And you're wrong. Let's go into the stronghold pitch. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're 100% right. But but I got I to gotta like mention you were playing Carpe Diem, which is a fine game from Stefan Feld. But why were you not playing Forum Trajanum, the new stronghold game? By Stefan Feld. I don't think we have a copy. Oh my God. Do you know the, the note I just, as you, as you were typing that, I wrote this note that I'm now showing you, not the audience, of course. It says, send forum trade John to Marty and Tony. So you'll be getting that. Pauline, take that note. (laughs) Send that to them tomorrow. (laughs) Because, and uh, side note, I've heard wonderful, wonderful things about that game. In fact, both of those games came out about the same time, and everybody said Trajan Forum. Forum Trajanum. Trajanum is the one that you want to play of the two. All right. So anyway, yes, I can't. And, and I don't know. And I and I and I'm um, I'm sure Carpe Diem is a wonderful game in itself. I was just that was a quick little little note about our our Stefan Feld game that literally just came out or is actually street dating this week. We're, we're recording this on, if it's okay to say, yeah. Monday, January twenty first, and and that one street dates on uh, on Wednesday the twenty third. We had it at Essen, and it's now now finally coming out worldwide. But anyway, let's get back to this premise, which is a very very good premise, uh, you know, about games and and the traction that one needs to get to really have a hit today is far harder to achieve by a, by a factor of well, we can f- pick a number there, factor of ten at least uh, than it was ten years ago. So I mean, like, what? Well, why is that? I mean, it, it, some of it's just fairly obvious. Um, the easiest way of describing it is that we have an absolute glut of games that are coming out. So, did you hear the the stat on the number of games that came out at Essen this year? Did you get that stat? I did not. The number was around 1,400, I believe. Okay. That's 1,400 new games that had never seen the light of day before that one day or, or four day period uh, that was the Essen Spiel uh, in Germany. Of that number of games, there's going to be uh, literally a handful that that you'll even really have made any impact on the industry in a year from from that date. And then again, and then 1,500 more will come out next year. So for a game to be noticed in a material way that changes the industry or becomes evergreen... We can talk about what that means in a second. Yeah. It's it's going to take a tremendous tremendous push. It, we're we're in an ep, we're in an era now where good games are not good enough. You need great games, number one, and you need games that are marketed well and stand out in some way that other games that are similar in it in their. Uh, in their mechanics or in their theme, do not do. And that is the basic premise of what you're saying. You could have done it 10 years ago, and the game would have been wonderful, and people would be playing it for a long time, and now you can't. And we can mention so many games 
from 10 and 15 and 20 years ago that are, they're still around today because they were, because they had made that mark deeply then. But if they were brought out now, it would not work anymore. I was actually thinking of an example of that. As wonderful as a game that it is, I think if the game Pandemic came out now, as opposed to 10 years ago, assuming that Pandemic kicked off this whole wonderful genre of yep. amazing co-op games. Yep. Let's yep. say another game had done that, and then Pandemic come out, came out now. I wonder if it would stood out as much as what it did 10 years ago. Hmm. Because now it's competing. It would be competing against tons of other co-op games, right. which are a lot like it. And now it's considered a basic co-op game compared to new ones that come out. I, I think we could we could almost pick anything that didn't literally set a standard. If it, I mean, um, Pandemic did set a standard in some ways. It set a standard mm-hmm. for co-ops, but it wasn't the first co-op, of course. Sure. Right? Of course. Um, so if, if you took it out and then you moved it 10 years and, you know, there was just other co-ops that came out and then it came out, I think it probably, ooh, tough one. I think it probably would still have that impact because Pandemic really is that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and really is that intriguing and the theme is so strange i use that in 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 a in a good way because right. if you think about it like let's 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 play a game about the whole world ending due to like you know <laughs> disease is spreading that, that's a a weird thing to be playing game about um but it it's it it gets you it grabs you with the theme and the mechanics work um um that's a tough one. I, I think it was that's one of the ones that are that good. Okay. In my okay. opinion. So well, let's take a look at the Stronghold catalog. For instance, Uh-oh. your Evergreen. How would you feel survive? Well, hold do? on. Can, can, can you give us a definition of Evergreen first for those who don't know Stephen? Oh, I, oh, I thought you were going to ask me, but you went with Stephen, someone who actually <laughs> would know the definition. I was going to make up a Oh, no. I, 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 I would like to, to bring the other guy into the conversation, so... It's the one that you can keep making and making money from. That's my definition. <laughs> so give me the give me the professional. You didn't even address the other guy thing. Okay, that, 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 I oh, thought that it? was worth a laugh too. No, the other guy is worth. I mean, that is that's evergreen. That's forever. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the other guy is ever, is an evergreen title. That's, that's good. right. Very good. Thank you. Um, no, but for for the professional out there, what would you call an evergreen? What is an evergreen? Yes, sir. Yeah. An evergreen is a is a game that you will print again and again forever. Um, it will sell always over time for you. There are minor evergreens, there are middle evergreens, and then there are earth shattering, industry changing, tremendous evergreens. Could you give us examples? Yeah, absolutely. I can give plenty of examples of all of those things. Um, uh, let's just go with. Um, I mean, in the Stronghold catalog, uh, Survive is that kind of middle. It, you know, I do a container or two per year, which is a nice number of games. Mm-hmm. Probably a container and a half of games per year. So we're constantly printing that in nice quantities. It's a kind of the middle one. And on the lower end, we have things like Diamonds, Right, Mike Fitzgerald's great, great trick-taking game. We're 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 selling several thousand units per year, and it's going to continue selling forever. People love it. We run tournaments. It's great. So you got the small one, you got that medium one. Survive, which by the way, Survive is now approaching forty years old. Not forty years in my catalog, 
It's about 40 years in total since it was first released by Parker Brothers, and then we got it. Anyway, and by the way, and, and of all the games we're talking about, it sold the most games, but mostly by another company. But but it's done very well, of course, with Stronghold. But the big, big, you know, industry-changing one, uh, in, in obviously, in my catalog would, of course, be Terraforming Mars. Terraforming Mars, in the beginning, was impossible to even keep in print, much less, you know, uh, uh, schedule our print runs in a, in a nice way. Now we finally have, have been able to, to schedule them and to, and to plan them out. We have actually sales trends. And it's one of the, besides some of the, the, the true icons of the industry, which it's probably right up there with those, um, it's, it's one of, one of the hottest and biggest selling games in the industry, a true evergreen that will sell forever. And that's what that means. So back to the original question in your catalog, how would survive stack up in today's time in your mind? Oh, okay. So if survive, for instance, just came out today mm-hmm. in the current market, I think it would be a game that uh, people picked up. They enjoyed, they saw some interesting things in it and we might do a second print run and that would be it. I mean, probably that's a, that's just a guess. I, it would not end up being the game it is now. The game it is now has so much um, history involved. You played it as a child, and now you're introducing it to your children. So it's a great gateway game or even a pre-gateway game to get people into our hobby. But we have so many others of those out there that a game like Survive would be a, okay, it did well, people enjoyed it, it did it, and we'd probably move on from it right now. Our buddy um, Ignacy wrote an article on uh, BGG a couple weeks ago and uh, talking about reprints, and he had this great discussion about he may come out with the game, and then there has to be a decision made, do I do another second run? Oh, yeah. Or do I say, or is there, you know, there's sometimes people do second runs and then they don't sell as well because it takes them a long time to get back into distribution. And by mm-hmm. that time, the hype is gone. Then they're sitting on tons of product. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a, is a great discussion. So you as a publisher, how do you battle that? I mean, are there some games are kind of obvious. Terraforming Mars, yes, we do more print runs. But are there some, it's like, you know what, this game sold well, but I don't think a second print run would. So I'm just going to say, hey, I made some good money off this and that's that. It's um, one of the hardest questions um, that a publisher needs to address on a regular basis. Whether it's, you know, you, you sold immediately and you sold out in a fairly short dis- time. Printing again and how many do you print? How much do you capitalize on that initial buzz? Or you've, you've printed a couple of times and now it's, you know, you finish that print run. When do you print again and how much do you print? There's no hard and fast rules to that. We're in a, we're in a gray area of the game is not quite evergreen yet, but there is obviously demand since I did sell through it. With a game that has a certain amount of print, uh, a certain amount of demand because it's sold steadily and finally sold out, the best possible thing for a publisher to do at that point is probably to hold off, chill out, see what the demand looks like, see if there's really people asking for that game again, and there's ways of figuring that out, and then deciding whether or not in six months or a year to decide to print it again. One thing that we get, cho- let me let me continue that a little one thing we, we get um, accused of is constraining supply so that we keep things hot. And let me tell you something. I'm in the business of selling games. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do is not sell games. 
with terraforming, I, I, it was like 10 times people said like, ah, they're just doing it on purpose. They, they don't want, I think, no, I took a big risk. The first printing, the demand was double that. I took a huge risk with the second printing. The demand was double that. It had just kept snowballing. There may have been a, an effect where demand got higher because the supply was constrained. Okay. But that wasn't something I tried to do. I didn't engineer that. We were taking big risks with those print runs and they just happened to go. Now it's okay. Now we have a trend. Now we know how to print them. And so we print them on a certain schedule. So we keep it in supply essentially all year. We had a small month outage last year, but you know, that's going to be, that's going to happen due to problems at the, at the factory more than anything else. But I think Marty, to that point where what we're talking about is how it is difficult for a game to get noticed. I mean, yeah, you have to be, right. a, you, you have to be a rock star and to take that risk. I mean, to me, Oh, I'm constraining supply. No, you're right. You want to make money to sit there and, and for people to say, Hey, he's constraining. No, he's not. It's a r- very risky thing. What will catch? What will be that next big hot game? Or is it an incredible game that just somehow got overshadowed because it came out against another incredibly hot game? And I don't understand that argument either because I've heard that in other industries too. I remember when uh, a few years ago uh, when the uh, Nintendo uh, Wii came out. And I remember even on that side, right. it was like, oh, you didn't make enough of them because they just wanted to drive up demand. A product not sold is a dollar not earned. People want to sell product. You want to sell product. And we want to make sure people can get their hand on it. And just like we talked about, games are hot and then they're gone. There is no way you would take that risk of not having a game on the shelf because people might forget about it two weeks from, you know, two weeks from now. So that makes zero sense. And in fact, there was a quote for Christian Peterson that used to be the head of um, FFG. He just stepped down. He said a couple weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, he said a couple years ago, he said a game from his experience has about a two week shelf life that if a game doesn't catch hold within two weeks, it's gone and forgotten. Does that seem reasonable? Far be for me to, yeah, far be for me to ever second guess Christian Peterson. No, seriously. I mean, Chris, Chris and I are, are fast friends. Uh, an amazing, an amazing guy. I cannot speak more highly about Chris Peterson who started Fantasy Flight. And of course, then they, Fantasy Flight was sold to Asthma Day and he became the CEO of Asthma Day in North America. And, and it's, it's history now. And he's, he's just left the industry literally within the last less than a month. He's, he's retired. I I agree with him. I think that that the two week thing is a little bit. Uh, he was making a point probably by saying two weeks, but the point is very well taken. If that product does not seed itself perfectly in the right place in the industry within a very short period of time, it's gone. You will have printed it once, and you will never see that game truly being talked about. Sure, BGG, you'll see people posting occasionally in the forums there, but you're not going to see people buying that game in any kinds of quantity. What people talk about um, that I've that I've talked about with people is that there's sort of three months of, of sales where you can then see what's going to happen with the game. There's sort of the pre-sales month where where the game is solicited to to distribution. That's before it comes out. Forum Trade Johnum, we just mentioned it. It comes out uh, two days from now. That game would have been solicited a month ago. So I, I'm going to have a sales history from that month 
that retail has purchased. Then there's going to be the month where the retail is either, they say, wow, this was great, and we're now going to need to restock, so we're going to do that. We're going to bring some more games in. And then the third month, if you don't get sales in that third month and it doesn't give this this kind of tail, then you're gone. So you have to have that three months, and then from there it should continue to even come close to being anything that would be recognized in, say, a year from now. That three months will set the trend for you forever going forward. For that particular game. For that one particular game, it will set that trend. Well, let's think about it from the standpoint. Let's say it did not catch. We all know it's a great game. You know, that happens. Can you then sometimes say, well, maybe we can catch fire with an expansion? Is that even possible? Or you're done. Forget it. It's over. You you can. um, You can do it a, a few different ways. Expansions can you know light the fire again under under a game uh support for the game with promos with tournaments with uh showing it off at various trade shows and or conventions that you guys go to a lot but also at like dist- distribution trade shows uh, these things can assist to to put it back or keep it in the eye of uh, of retailers and consumers uh so all of those things need to be used if one is to succeed with a game, Flam Rouge, you know Flam Rouge, of course, oh, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Love that game. Love it. Love it. Love it. Excited, love it, love excited it, for it. the expansion. Thank you. Thank you. The, th- the second expansion, right, mm-hmm. is about to come out. So um, when we launched that game in 2017, 17. thank you, in 2017, it came out, did well, started selling. We, had, we went to a second printing, started selling. Everything was going going well. When we hit it, when we, but, but not like, you know, not like Terraforming Mars well, but like the survive well. Let's put it at that level. So it was a second tier kind of thing. And, but, and a little less maybe. And it kept, and it was selling. We added the expansion. Boom. We added some more in, in, interesting things for people. We added promos. We kept going. Second expansion. This is fueling it. If you take a look, um, on Board Game Geek over the last, is it month or so? Like, so like during the holidays, basically, we've had like an extra like 500 people rate the game. It's gone from about a, a, a ranking of like 300 to two, 220, 250, something like that. Crazy. It's just skyrocketing because more and more people are finding out about it. So that sort of changes a little bit about what I said, but we're keeping it in, in people's eyes. So we had that good, decent three months, and now we're keeping it out there by by pushing more product into the line and pushing some promos and doing things like that uh, and getting it out there in front of people uh, with expansions and things like that so people continue to enjoy it and like the game. I was just on the, the Dice Tower Cruise and we, I played that game more than anything on the cruise. Obviously, I'm there to promote the company, of course. But every time I played it, people were like, oh, I heard. I want to play this. I have to play this thing. And they were out there. They wanted to play it with me. And we played it. And they were just loving it, loving it, loving it. So I think we're going to continue seeing a few more kicks with, with Flamme Rouge. And were they um, wanting to play the game because it's a good game or it was because of the person playing? No, I'm sure it was about because it was a good game. Okay, just want to the personality is uh, is uh, secondary, and um, you know I put on my biking shorts to make them really enjoy Ooh. the fact that I was playing it with them. Come on, hey, well, I wasn't there. Uh, can you tweet that? <laughs> can you tweet that one out for us, please? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> d- yeah, don't show that one. I mean, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Flam Rouge um, bikers who are actually got colors with them besides the standard colors here, maybe painted miniatures or something like that. When's that happening? 
Oh, we we don't plan on doing like a, a special a set. Though. That would be kind of cool, you know. I got to think about that. Come, you know, I'd have to go get some extra sets and hmm, hmm, <laughs> putting that in my head. I just did um, I just did a small little deal with a friend who does painting for um a certain rover promo that we have. He we might have a painted. Mars Rover. Oh, yeah. Nice. We're not going to put, not put into distribution, just sell on the website, give away to like winners of tournaments and things like that. So you're talking about the terraforming Mars starter yeah, player marker. It might be that. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, yeah. it does seem, and, and I think Flam Rouge is a good example of this, of what game really, really stands out. And it seems like with thousands of games coming, coming each year, it's almost like lightning in a bottle, catching lightning in a bottle. But it seems like it really yeah. does take two things. It takes a good game and really good word of mouth. Actually, the first I'd heard about Flam Rouge was somebody played it at BGG Con and said, oh, man, this game is great. And then everybody else played it. Yeah, this game is great. I didn't really know anything about it. I knew more word of mouth about the game before I ever sat down and played it. And then when I sat down and played it, I went, oh, aha, that's why this is so good. So now I'm helping the word of mouth. It really seems to take both of those things together to make a game take off anymore. Uh, You know, I wish I had the secret sauce, but... All of those things together are, are you know going to be part of it. But worry, you know, word of mouth is huge, and and you know showing it off and having it at the at the right places too. Like you know, there's this this thing called the gathering of friends. Um, it's Alan Moon's like invitation convention, invitation only convention out in Niagara Falls in April. There's like a lot of people who have got big mouths would sound like a bad way of putting it, but they're they're bloggers. They're 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 people who put up lots of reviews and stuff and they go to that. If you can and you know, we like we like we like to show off lots of games that are maybe coming out at Essen that year or end of the year. And we get we get the games out there. Sometimes these games like 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 a like a match is lit and like boom and all of a sudden people start talking about it and they become bigger later on because a small group started talking about it and they told two friends and they told two friends and so on that kind of that kind of idea. So just out of curiosity, uh, obviously Terraforming Mars is one of those games that, uh, that's been amazing for you. It's one of those games that stood out among all the thousands that came out the year. Extremely popular. Every time an expansion comes out, it's a, it's a top selling expansion. Now, obviously you brought the game out because you knew it was going to be good. Did you have any clue it was going to be this big and this well received? So basically, you're asking me if I'm a genius. Is that what you're basically saying? Uh, basically, I'm, I'm, you can either be humble or or not. <laughs> no, no. My point is that we we never know, and I'm not and I'm not a genius. I would like to say that I'm a pretty smart guy, and I'm a pretty lucky guy at the same time. But we never never know if a game is going to have that much traction we could get a feel for what we think it's going to do but it's it's so it's funny when when terraforming mars when we we made it like i said we made a pretty big bet on terraforming mars early on because we because we liked it we liked it a lot we thought it was it was really interesting the theme was very topical right mars is just very big very big topic in 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 everything in in, in pop culture and in, in in science and everything and of course we played the game it was great we did some extra development on it we did did a lot of work with it. But when we wrote it out, it was no way to predict what ended up happening. Like that this entire large print run sold out, allocated. You know, you know what the word allocated means? Means that the demand to that we were that we had a supply. The dis- distribution demand, we sold the distributors, their demand was much higher than what we could supply them. Uh, in fact, it was by two times. So what we tried to give them, they wanted twice as much. 
We then printed that number that was twice as much. And then the demand came back and it was twice that number. This is crazy snowball of demand for the game. Then we couldn't predict it. It took us to the fourth printing to figure out what that demand was going to be for the long run. And that's where we are right now. So no, the short answer is no. We, we don't know what's going to be. We have, we have inklings of how good it's going to be, how big it's going to be. But in the end, you know, there's a, there's so many factors that go into this. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have this game, of course. And I'm, I'm equally, uh, proud to have had some input into that final design, uh, that came out. Uh, because this is a partnership game with Fricks Games out in Sweden. So um, we, we we worked on an extra year almost with them to make sure this game was as good as we thought it could be. Is it the table presence? Is that what may have to help y'all out? Because I, I'm the first to complain because I'm cheap as all get out. And I, I don't need miniatures. I like standees, by God. If it's a great game, it should stand on its own merits, by gosh. But in today's time, the does the table presence help? Well, with all the darn complaints about the components in Terraforming Mars, I guess I guess it must be a great game because I'm selling the crap out of it, right? Well, it was, I actually was going to say that, Tony, that the only one negative that you tend to hear about Terraforming Mars is is something about the components. And so the, the I'm not going to say it doesn't have table presence. It's just excuse what I'm going to really say. The lack of table presence maybe of Terraforming Mars didn't hurt that game no. at all all and in fact it begs the question and i know i've got to ask it because people are going to be upset if i didn't you know the fifth year anniversary would you ever consider coming out with a deluxe version with the nice player boards and everything that people tend to buy third party i mean is that even in your mind anywhere we'll get to that one but just a little bit back i would say the uh, terraformance has a mixed table presence and that mixture is the fact that like we've got these gorgeous uh cubes in the game uh, but the player boards are where is the fail portion, and everything else is right in the middle, right in the wheelhouse of everybody. Oh, the, and the play, right? The player boards are too thin for people, right? Mm-hmm. And the cubes are really, really, really cool. And the other stuff is like in the middle. So let's let's now go to like this deluxe version that people have um, kind of talked about, and I I can neither. <laughs> <either. laughs> I got in so much trouble recently. Yes, you did. So. You heard about this, or you heard it, maybe, or you saw it. Yes. I got in so... <laughs> Legacy Terraforming Mars. It could, yes. Is that yes, what it is? Was it. <laughs> there, was, there was a mention of uh, Terraforming Mars Legacy. There was a mention of the new expansion, all of which was not supposed to get mentioned at all. Uh, and I got in so much trouble with Frick's Games about it. There could have been some beer involved with that, those, those loose lips there. But anyway, <laughs> so... I can neither confirm nor deny uh, that there will be a, uh, a deluxe version of the game. However, um, I will say that it's not like we're in production right now. We're not. But of course, we've talked about this concept. Um, it just makes sense. I do not think it would be foolish for anybody to say right now, oh, I'm not going to buy the current version because I might buy the deluxe version. Mm-hmm. The deluxe version is going to be so super deluxe that it's going to be much more than the sum of the parts, if you know what I'm yes. saying. It's, you know, so if you bought all of the, the, the base game and the four current expansions, the deluxe version is going to be a much bigger to do than that. If we did it, if it all happened, uh, the way that I kind of envision it. Um, so, it's going to be much closer to 
War of the Ring Collector's Edition, my favorite game. Mm-hmm. I've been on record as saying that I love that thing and I love my collector's edition with the painted miniatures and the, the huge board and in in the wooden box that comes it'd be more akin to that than than to a game that anybody's gonna want to just like pick up you know and you know as a as a uh an impulse purchase at their friendly local or friendly online game store oh, just just so you know we talked about this earlier in the show so tony and i got to hang out with rob davio this weekend he was in charlotte love rob and the legacy terraforming mars came up and he said everybody's been asking me if i'm working on legacy terraforming mars he goes i have no idea what that is i haven't heard anything about this that is so great did it oh i got it you know what i'm gonna I got to do an April Fool's thing now with him or something like that. That would be really great. No, 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 no. We haven't. No, Rob and I. No, no. I will. I will categorically state that <laughs> Rob and I have talked every time we see each other, and we always want to work together. He's just so busy. He's at restoration, sure. obviously, is where his his time is. But no, uh, any <laughs> and since Legacy has now been sort of quasi announced, any development in the, any design and development on Legacy would, is an internal thing between Frick's Games, Stronghold Games, and Indie Game Studios. We're, we're now going to work on this thing internally together. As we start, uh, starting wrapping up this thing, uh, so here's the big question. What is this thing you're wrapping up? This section, this, this whole thing with, with, with Steven. Okay. Because I know he's he's itching to tell us about maybe some stuff that's coming out this year, but I want to put a spin on it. Oh, I do oh too. My God. I do too. You have so games coming out this year in in twenty nineteen. You're okay. hoping that some of those. Oh my gosh! Hopefully, it'll be the the next terraforming Mars. So, tell us about some of the games that's going to be coming out this year that you saw. It's like, oh my gosh, this is different. This is different than everything out there that I hope people will talk about and it'll catch fire. So what are some All stuff right. that you got coming out? It's like, yes, we think this may, you hope everything is the next thing, right? But when you right. saw this game, it's like, ah, I've got to do this one. So tell us about some of those. Okay. And that's, and that's actually a good segue into what, because right, I could, I could sit here and talk about my releases forever oh yeah and we know that and our listeners know that too so and, just, and uh, you do warned. and you do have a podcast where you do that this is a, <laughs> this is an opportunity for when ignasi cuts you off when you're answering questions on board games insider we've given you the opportunity to speak for a while i will i will keep it short and pithy but um <laughs> um it's yeah. it's funny that i literally today just updated the uh the website with some of the things that are like not a hundred percent announced, but like we we you know we already signed the contracts. We're, in, we're we're printing them. They're on their way out, and I'll and I'll focus on those because those have some some amount of uh, cred and gravitas to them based on um, the stuff that we're talking about right now. We won't talk about the stuff that that we kind of released at Essen and and is coming out in the next couple of weeks. But we'll go a little longer than that even, and this kind of gives you a little bit of a a little bit of an extra. Um, announcement stuff because people have not been talking about some of this stuff recently. So a little bit of insider stuff for you. Coming up from us, we have a number of like games from truly huge designers. Let's start with, of course, you know, Ganshon Clever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we picked that game up and announced that a while ago that we're coming out with that. That's the great roll and write game. It was nominated for the Kenner Spiel de Jar. Don't miss that date or I'm driving to Florida. Oh, no. February 6th is the worldwide, worldwide release date for Guns Shon Clever. We are also going to be coming out by Wolfgang Wurst, 
or Wolfgang Wurst, uh, his sequel to Ganz schon clever, which is Doppelt so clever, which means twice as clever. It'll have that as the subtitle. So it's twice as clever. So it's going to have basically the same mechanics uh, with some extra things, a new die involved in there too, as as Ganshon Clever, uh, but now really even more mischievous and even more difficult to master and things like that. So so this guy, Wolfgang Wolfgang Wurst, I try to use the correct like German mm-hmm. pronunciation. I'm very bad at it. My German is worse than my Italian, which is worse than my English, which is not very good. Um, so I, he's really one of the most amazing designers that have come up in the last few years. I mean, somebody was nominated three times in the same year for Spiel des Jahres uh, items is amazing. Two, two Kenner, one regular Spiel des Jahres is just amazing. Mm-hmm. So so having this follow-on game to Ganshon Clever, Doppelt, Doppelt, So Clever, or Twice as Clever, and that's a May 1st release for us by Stronghold Games uh, and designed by Wolfgang Wurst. The second game I'm going to mention, which is also by Wolfgang Wurst, is Bricks. So you remember Tetris? Yes. Of course, from your, when you were a kid? So, right, the little pieces are coming down, and now people are making kinds of, like, Uwe Rosenberg with his polyominal games that we did, right, of of uh, Cottage Garden and Indian Summer and Spring Meadow. So, Wolfgang has created a game called Bricks, which is basically Tetris on paper, where the, the pieces are falling down, and you must seat them into your grid... And you must, to move them around the way you would do it in, in, uh, in Tetris, you, you spend energy. So you have a certain amount of energy that you can spend and you move them back and forth and you can turn them around based on energy spending. And that is also a May release, uh, by Stronghold. So it's another, call it another roll and write. All of these are in the genre of roll and write, mm-hmm. right? So twice as clever and bricks are all roll and write. And I'll mention the third one. It's not by as fairly a big a designer as by Ralph Zorlindi, and it's called Dizzle. And Dizzle is another roll and write where you're rolling dice and you're selecting dice and everyone has to use the same dice as you in very different ways. Uh, it's hard to describe each one and, and, and their differences, but each one of them have, have quite different, different in their implementation of the way they're using this roll dice, select dice, people mark dice, multiple ways of playing the game in Dizzle. Uh, where, where, where you get bonus by various placements of, of the markings on your, on your score pad. Uh, and that again would be a May release. All of the games I mentioned just now are with our new partnership of Schmidt Spiele out in Germany. Do you know Schmidt Spiele? Oh, yes. I do because I'm always looking for their rolling rights when I go to Amazon.de. That is certainly one place to, to pick up their rolling rights, but Schmidt Spiele is a huge company. Probably almost, not quite, but almost in, in, in the same, uh, level as Ravensburger. They probably, Schmidtspieler does, uh, more hobby games or Ravensburger more mass market. And, but they kind of swing back and forth, but they're very large gaming company out in Germany. And we're honored to be selected by them to, to do, we first were to do Gunshon Clever, but now to do this entire series. Of Roland rights that we're doing uh, with them, and hopefully more and more interesting things in the future with them. Two more things that I'm going to mention, 
that are coming up that almost nobody knows about right now. These are April releases. A, another game. So this would be the fourth game by Wolfgang Wurst. Pretty amazing that we're able to get four games by him. It's a game called Subtext. Subtext is a party game where you, it's a draw, drawing game where. Wait, 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 wait. Say the word D-R-A-W-I-N-G again. Drawing. Where's the other R at the end of that word? <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend says the same thing all the time. <laughs> drawing. I can't even say drawing. <laughs> She's going to love this when she hears this. Drawing. 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 Okay? Drawing. Listen. Listen, you two hillbillies. Don't talk about my accent. Okay? <laughs> we get picked on so much. It's fun to pick on somebody else, actually. <laughs> but but it's amazons. Amazons. <laughs> Great stuff. It's a drawing game. <laughs> By Wolfgang <laughs> Worst. Oh, where how, how well you draw is not that important. And you're going to be trying to, to hint at the word that you're looking to, to people to figure out, not necessarily draw the perfect word. You, you want only one person to guess that you know the word, the person who knows which word that everyone's, that you're going to be drawing. So it's a really interesting take on a drawing game. Very simple. You can play it with anybody. Stop laughing. Stop laughing at my at my New Jersey accent. You you creeps. You you Southern boys, y'all. You Southern boys, you y'all. Oh, okay, funny. so uh, so uh, there was two games that you did not mention in there, and I just want a quick take on this. Is okay. First off, this will be another grumpy Tony showing up your house. If I do not see Stronghold Undead. Yeah, say it say it with me. I will be releasing in 2019 Stronghold Undead. There is a... Oh, good gosh. Oh, my gosh. Can I go to 90%? Oh, never. Would that be good enough? Yeah. So we have a special surprise. Well, we... Did we already announce that? Let me think. Well, PortalCon... We're recording this right before PortalCon. Hopefully, we're going to hear some more from PortalCon at the end of January. I, I, I should not take away Ignacy's thunder because I forgot what we mentioned about it, but... Yes, we are very much on track to releasing it this year. <laughs> okay. That, that's fair. That's fair. Is that not fair? That's fair. And what about this Agizia Shifting Sands edition, which, you know, has been... Agizia was the um, path-taking game that everybody loved, and it's disappeared, and you've picked that up and announced that for 2019. Yes, we did. Yeah, we're very excited about that one. That's the game that we, we took, actually. We've, we've had the game under contract for... Two years almost. Um, what? And we did a, yeah, we did a lot of, cause we wanted, listen, we wanted to do the game, wanted to do it right. We wanted to do it as a true second edition. So I had a friend of mine, Brian Burzak, who worked tirelessly on doing a second edition with the designer. Uh, and we are definitely doing that game. In fact, uh, that game is going to be a February Kickstarter, uh, from Stronghold. Maybe it's March. Kickstarter from Stronghold. Okay. So we're doing a couple of Kickstarters this year, probably three to four Kickstarters this year, only for our major releases. And that's a new thing because we can do that because of all of the, it's 40 plus kick, successful Kickstarters under the uh, Indie Game Studios belt now. Indie Boards and Cards has done 40 plus Kickstarters successfully. They bring this amazing amount of, of manpower and, uh, and knowledge of how to do them well. Uh, so we'll, for that, for our, like key releases early in the year, we're going to put them up on Kickstarter, uh, and you'll see those 
Aftershock is the first one, which is going to start within the next 10 or so days. Uh, and that's the Alan Moon game. Mm. Can't wait for that. We've had that game for about a year and we were working on it and it's in a perfect place now to, to do it and do it in a really wonderful edition. And then after that, we're going to go to Igizia and then we'll continue from there. So will Aftershock come out this year? Yeah. All of these games we've talked about are going to be okay. this year. Aftershock will be this year. Igizia will be this year. They'll all be released this year. Uh, without a doubt. Have you announced your big Gen Con game, or is there one that's going to be coming? We have not okay. announced. Right. Not announced quite that far out, though. You know, we may or may not have some of these games. I mean, I mean, we we may have Aftershock by then after the Kickstarter. We can, might might be able to get some games there for that. Though I don't think we'll fulfill like all the Kickstarters by then. But we'll you know we'll see. Cool. I want to mention one more game. Yeah, so much for a short and pithy. Uh. But go ahead. Yeah, well, come on, you know. I wanted to give you these. These are really big announcements I'm giving and you. We know, we know. We it's on the website. It. It's an Uwe Rosenberg game. Oh, that's not on the website. No, it, well, it's there at the bottom. Oh, it's, it's there. It's there. <laughs> Nobody goes to websites, that's it. Go ahead. What what is it? It's a game. It's it's by Uwe Rosenberg. So so my my friends at Edition Spiel Visa, one of our partners out in Germany, went to Uwe. These are the ones we've done: Cottage Garden, Indian Summer, and spring meadow with and they went and they said we want a we want you to consider doing some kind of roll and write or or something with with those the polyominal pieces those tetris pieces you know on paper and he's like uh he goes ah no i don't want to do it like a small game like that and like two weeks later he came back with a game he said this is perfect (laughs) he just had one he's such a genius and this is not a roll and write but it's a select and write it's a there are cards in the game where cards come out and based on the cards that come out you will draw those pieces onto a uh nine by nine grid i could be wrong on that ten by ten grid in front of you and the object of the game is to fill the grid in the most efficient way you want to you want to try to fill all of the grid in front of you with a with a you know pen and paper kind of thing fill that in front of you based on the cards that are coming out so everyone's going to be selecting different cards that come out you'll everyone will have the same choice of the cards so i might choose this one you might choose that one we'll all start with a different one to begin with so our boards will start differently and as they come out the boards will fill up. At some point, you're not going to be able to do anymore, and then you'll get scored based on how well you have filled in your entire paper in front of you. So that's called Second Chance by Uwe Rosenberg, and that is a mid-April release for Stronghold Games. There you go, guys. I'm done. That is amazing, but I do have to ask, so our whole thing that has been in this is, uh, you know, what's it take for a game to rise up and, and be different? And you just went over tons of roles and rights. Roles and rights are the big thing right now. Yeah. Is there anything about these games that's going to make it stand out from other roles and rights? Well, I think that you're going to, you know, we, we, we have Wolfgang Versch as the, as the, number one guy in the industry that kind of doing this this idea with Gonshaw and Clever. So I can see that these will all create a line where as a line they will stand out together. Mm. Will any one of them be like 300,000 seller, you know, in two years? No, maybe not. But as a line, I think we have a an evergreen possibility to keep something growing and growing and growing year after year uh, as long as a great designer is like, like Wolfgang Versch continue to, to come up with new and innovative ideas around that space. Rolling rights are amazing. The use of, uh, of polyominal pieces are amazing. There's just so many ways to do that. Marrying these things together creates a very interesting con- concept. And that's what 
uh, he's been he's going to be doing with uh, with the game Bricks, for instance. Tony, you got any last words? You're just sitting over there. I'm doing what I do best, man. Just sitting. <laughs> sitting and listening. No, uh, I don't, my, my final thoughts are, Stephen, thank you so much for seriously taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule, as we've just heard, and coming on <laughs> and coming on the show. We, we, we love you. We think highly of you, and we love visiting your booth, not because of the incredible treats, no. Beth Moak does have a lot to do with that, but go ahead. I'm trying to make the man feel good. Come on. Okay, sorry. My bad. <laughs> I told him he was more intelligent than us at the beginning of the show. I was going to go the other way and say, we want to bring somebody on this more intelligent than us but instead we brought on Stephen Bonacore uh, <laughs> and see I, and my intro was going to be and we've brought on someone from Board Games Insider the man who has a challenge with the English language Stephen Bonacore uh, <laughs> drawing those who live in glass houses my friends should not <laughs> that's, that's true that's true Very should not throw chocolate bombs and I must make a statement about the chocolate bombs and Beth I spoke to her today and she may sit down Relax. She may not make Gen Con this year. <gasps> not cool. Her daughter is having a second child so? right around that time of year, so she might not be uh, the, at Gen Con. But she'll be at Origins if you're going to make Origins. I, I will make Origins. Here. Sorry, Tony. I'll, I'll have to bring you back some. That is sad, but that's okay. I may <laughs> not make Gen Con either. Just what? Teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. God. Teasing. All right. Steven, thank you again so much. We love having you on the show. We can't wait to thank see you guys. what's coming out over the next few months. You're, and thank you so much for going on this deep dive with us. That's very unusual here on RDTN to get into such a deep topic. But it was really cool to hear from your perspective about how things have changed over the years and how tough it is as a publisher to get something out there that's really going to catch fire. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me on for an intelligent conversation versus what normally happens on this show. <laughs> Did you tell them that we are now the background noise of podcasting? Yeah, that's that's our new moniker. We're the background noise of uh, podcasting, or board games podcast. That's beautiful. Well... Again, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it so and, much. And by the way, if you want to follow Stephen, make sure you do so on Twitter at Stronghold Games. Go to his website, strongholdgames.com, where he has a wonderful pre-order program. And I believe you still do that at a discount, right, Stephen? We, abs- we, we we give free shipping and we get guarantee the games will be shipped to you before they're available elsewhere. Yep, that is fantastic. And if you do interact with Stephen on Twitter, you are actually interacting with Stephen. You are not interacting with some flunky. He has promised this. He promises this. It's not Pauline. Pauline not, not uh, do some of the stuff now on? Uh, she only posts there, but I do all the responses. Yes. And also, you make sure to join their Facebook uh, page, too. Uh, Stronghold Games uh, on Facebook, because he posts all of his releases and everything there. And I believe he also has a mailing list, which you can join uh, on uh, the Stronghold website, where he will send you updates on new games that are coming out. Thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure. I do enjoy listening to the podcast. You guys do a great job even with that horrible accent. But uh, we will talk to again to you soon. Thanks. And remember, if you listen to this podcast, you may be entered into a drawing. Drawing. Yes. <laughs> and it will be an amazon drawing at that. <laughs> an amazon drawing. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Goodbye. portalgames.pl slash en. You would think Ignacy would change his website or get another one for me so I could just make it say portal.com, but I'm sure that's already <laughs> taken. If you whine enough about it, he will. He probably will. 
PortalCon has just occurred. All the announcements are there, but we're recording before then, so we can't talk about them here in this segment, but you know we'll be talking about them in the future. All I know is that Stephen has promised, almost promised us, Strong Home but Undead in this interview. So maybe at PortalCon we've heard more about it, but it better be coming out. I'm so excited. And then, of course, we've got Detective. And we know that there's other expansions probably in the work because Ignacy will not let this sleep. He's going to ride the wave on the Detective train or surfboard. or Anyway, be sure to go check out the announcements from PortalCon at portalgames.pl slash Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Marty and I got to sit down to play a very popular game that was at Gen Con that was Everdell, designed by James A. Wilson, published by Starling Games. And Marty, this game, we talked about table presence with Steven. This game has it with a big old freaking tree in the middle of it. And squirrels. And squirrels. And bunnies and turtles, the components are top-notch in this game, right? Oh, my goodness, yes. In fact, it was we were playing it. Everybody's come by, what game is that? Because the board is not square. Mm-hmm. It's a really unique-shaped board with that big old tree in the middle, so it looks fantastic on the table. Not only that, but it is almost Tony-proof in rule to teaching. That's right. You can do three things, Marty. Even I can remember this without looking at the rules. You can place a worker on the board. You can play a card by playing either the or paying the resources that it requires or having a card kind of like, oh, I don't know, seven wonders that can link to it so you can play it automatically or you can prepare for the next season. Now, Marty, placing a worker, you place a worker, you gather the resources or take advantage of the text that's out there. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Yes, it is. It's just the fact that it's kind of the worker placement portion is matched with putting these cards into play that becomes an engine builder much like a game you know you mentioned seven wonders or something like imperial settlers but it's not an engine it's a city and you can have 15 city tiles now the city is either constructions or buildings or critters if there's a construction like the inn there may be a critter called the innkeeper and you don't have to pay the innkeeper's cost if the inn is sitting on your board so you got to look for those i don't want to say combos marty but requirements right i mean well it is somewhat of a combo because many times when i was playing the game if i had a particular building that i could get a critter for free then i would look through the market for that critter or look in my hand so you can either play cards from your hand or from a market uh, that's out on the board uh but if you don't have that then like you said these resources that you're gathering over the course of the game berries and wood and uh, resin, uh, you can use that to to build the buildings, to get get the critters out. But once you get the cards in play, then much like many engine builders, they have abilities. It may say, hey, guess what? Whenever you do this, you get this. Or there's a bonus. Uh, by doing this, you earn this. So it's one of these things where you start chaining things together at, over the course of the game to where by the very end, one little action will trigger this, which triggers that, which triggers that with the whole goal of trying to gain victory points. That's right. Get victory points are for the win as always. Now, there is one thing I want to talk about in this game that is very, that I would consider unique. This step called prepare for the next season. Mm-hmm. There's not these known rounds or no way to saying, okay, everybody gets this amount of turns. This is very unique to me in that once you are done playing for you've placed all your workers and you can't do any more or you don't want to play any more cards you may prepare for the next season and this allows you to take an additional worker off the tree or two depending on which season you're in 
there may be some production in that, and you begin. Now, if I prepare for the season and Marty's not ready, he doesn't have to. He can let me go ahead and do that. He doesn't have to stick with me. As a matter of fact, Marty's engine was working so well, he stayed in the summer season while I was basically sitting there done with the game. Yeah, the th- theme of that's kind of odd. So I may be playing in the spring season and you've already moved on to the summer, but that's what makes this game unique. Placing workers out getting resources, not unique. Engine building, not unique. It's the round thing where everybody can kind of decide on their own. Okay, now's the time for me to finish and go to the next season, which gives me more workers. And then there are cards in play, like you said, that triggers production. So the production, you you get some special things from it. I really enjoyed it. And what the thing that made it stand out was that preparing for the season, the whole round thing. It does get a little long, Tony, because... As in typical engine builders, there's a lot of AP that can happen. There is, based on the cars. Now, for me, summing this up, I think this game is a very good game to teach beginners in the engine building. It's one, the presence on the table, I think it'd be fairly easy. So I enjoyed the game. Uh, It'll stay on the shelves. Happy that we got a chance to play it. Marty, how about you? Yeah, so it's one of those things I think I would introduce the people that have never played this style of game. But just understand is, it's one of those games that starts out really quick and moves quick in the beginning, but at the end, it starts... It starts kind of slow down as people start taking their turn. So there's a little bit of downtime at the end, but overall a solid worker placement engine building game. Five minute initiative is complete. You people are going to love us. We've got more special guests coming on to the show. That's right. Now you've heard Marty and I talk about our upcoming adventures and I get to go to another con this year. That's right. I'm going to Tantrum Con down in the Greenville Spartan area, uh, Spartanburg area of South Carolina. And because we've talked about it, we said, you know what? We're going to bring on people who actually know about it onto the show and they're going to talk a little bit about us, but I'm also going to irritate them about the incredible Kickstarter previews that they do and ask them, how do they manage all those smiles on the camera? That's just amazing to me. But joining us from Tantrum House, we have Melissa and Sarah. Hey. And I must say, I'm excited because we got the better halves, Tony. I thought it was going to be like Kevin and Will, but we got the better part of Tantrum House coming on. Yeah, we just took over the microphone and kind of kicked them out. Well, I'm sure Will was out getting some moose or something to maintain that beautiful hair. It's a big chore. (laughs) And I'm sure Kevin is trying to figure out his hat selection for the next five days. I, you know, that's just. It's just the one hat. The the one hat. I don't know what we're going to do when it finally dies. Do you wash that thing? Um, uh, we're, we're just not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Does it have a sweat bead running around? <laughs> is there, is there, is there, does, can it walk across the room and jump on his head? Well, I mean, talk to us. Tell us. <laughs> now, now, one thing y'all may not know, but we've talked about this on the show, and I'm sure the background noise of RDTN. Melissa, you have a hidden talent that's not so hidden, but it is hidden. People may not know about it, and that is balloon animals. Yes. I, th- I think I've made you all a squirrel before. Yes, you have. Oh, yes. And I think it's been de- deflated. Some people keep their balloon animals so long that they just turn into these little shriveled pieces of latex. <laughs> and then they'll bring yep. them out and show us, I've had these for three years since you made us the last balloon. <laughs> now, now, how did you get into that incredible talent? In 
high school and college, I did a lot of missions work with kids clubs and going to other countries. And balloons was one of the ways that we um, entertained the kids and kind of showed them love. So I kind of started with that. And now she shows us love with balloon squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I'm down there, I just want a sword. I just want a, a sword, sword so I can go around. Yeah, so I can poke Marty with it. Go bam, bam, bam. I can make over 200 things, and kids still just want swords and dogs. <laughs> well, of course, because I could take a sword and play with it and poke people with it. So is there going to be a squirrel at the Tantrum Con event? We'll, we'll see. Maybe. So first off, I, for, I cannot believe that the RDTN Beat Us at Our Own Game event has sold out. It has. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys, it has? yes, it is sold out. Because <laughs> that, that block is already, everybody else is sold out there. They said, well, no. I've got to do that so, anyway. Okay, sold out. <laughs> Let, let's just go ahead and humble ourselves here a little bit. There were only two slots, <laughs> and both of our wives bought them, right? Is that what it was? <laughs> Uh, I did not see any wives' names listed. No, no, it it was not our wives. So this was what Tony and I were torn on this. So uh, TantrumCon has some incredible events that's going on over the over the three day period uh, in February. And what are the dates again? February 15th, 16th, and 17th. And so they have this nice sign-up sheet where you can sit down and play all different types of games. And Tony and I were struggling, what game should we play? We couldn't decide. And finally we said, we're getting ready to do our squirrely reward, uh, uh, awards. And, and well, hold on, I've got a, a question for you and then a bone to pick with you. And I'll come back to that in a second. And uh, so they got all these events going on. So Tony and I were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we said, let's just pick a game that we both like from last year. We looked at our squirrely awards list. Like, we both like Coimbra. So we picked Coimbra, and uh, we're going to be playing that with uh, two people and let and let them beat us. So now, here's the two things. Number I forgot what one of them was. Oh, that's an age thing. Good gosh, dude. You're okay, but I know what the <laughs> I, I know what the bone to pick. Oh no, I know what I remember. So we're going to do the squirrelies, and uh, we typically have all of you come on and present an award. So we want to have you come on again. Will you come on and present another award on our Squirrely show? Of course we will. Okay, excellent. Second, uh, I saw like a couple weeks ago where you all released a video of your own Tantrum House Awards where you had like, oh, I don't know, special guest come <laughs> on and do the awards like an Academy show. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's our RDN video form. It, it was, yes. But it was video and not audio. Did you see it, Tony? Uh, mm. Kind of, I'm I'm not happy right now. I'm, I, I'm I saw it and it was like, oh, this is cool. They're doing an award show. Oh, that's interesting. They're actually having other media people present the awards. Hmm, where have I seen that before? Oh, look, there's actually people who won the award coming on to accept the award. Hmm, where did I see that? I was waiting for a musical number, but I didn't see a musical number anywhere. Did they have an accounting house? That's right. Did y'all have accounting? I can't remember. Uh, no, no. We just kind of magically gave the awards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. All right. But, but you know, imitation is the best, you know, form of flattery. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my weekend just freed up on Valentine weekend. What better <laughs> way? <laughs> that's right. My wife said, you're going, where? On Valentine's weekend? Uh, I didn't schedule it. That's when they said I got to be there. So what you should have done is, like, gone to the Biltmore house, you know, on Valentine's and then swung by ours, you know. Or you could have gone to beautiful downtown Greenville, which is one of the top five 
destinations in the United States. Yes, it is. I saw that static stat. What stat? Static. Static. Yeah, that stat as well. So before we keep giving y'all a hard time, Tantrum Con, where'd it come from? What's all planned? So Tantrum Con started, uh, the, I, we sparked the idea probably three or four years ago. We, we loved going to conventions. Um, and we liked, the atmosphere of some conventions and not others. And we wanted to have our own event where we could make this very fun, exciting experience. Um, and my husband's job is running educational conventions. Um, so after getting a couple of years of that under his belt, he felt like he had the know-how to do all the behind the scenes of a convention. And so we have teamed up, the Tantrum House group has teamed up with uh, Monica and Jason Rasso, and they are helping coordinate some of the plannings. And um, we're hoping that this will be an awesome event. And how did you guys meet? The tantrum house. Some of us go way back. Well, Will actually made the logo for the balloon business that Kevin and I do, Hands Full of Fun. And we all kind of knew each other from college. Yeah. So, yeah, Kevin and Melissa, we've known for, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. Same with Ryan and Katie. Katie and my husband used to work together doing marketing. And then let's see, Ben, I, I think Ben, our videographer and will go way back to first year of college. So that was, I don't know, 15 years ago now. So 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago for with Ben and Will. So um, we've been friends for a long time. We've been gaming friends for just about as long. We still do a Monday night game night that started 11 years ago. And we've done that every Monday night for the last 11 years. Well, we're actually recording this on a Monday, so are we ruining your game night? Um, no, we usually do a recording or two in the middle, so um, everyone who's not on this recording is actually out playing games right now. So oh. Melissa and I finished up a game and then jumped on, and then we'll probably hop into another game or two before the night's up. So this is really a family affair here. We're talking Tantrum Con, family affair. All your families are together, so I can see that. So what kind of fun events do the, the little chaps have in store? Well, we have a kid's room that for about four, maybe five hours each day will be manned. And so parents can actually leave their kids from six to 12 years old into that room. And we have Quick Simple Fun, I think, has donated some games. Each kid's basically going to be able to get a free game. There's going to be games for their age level in that room. We also have a Mars Open tournament that we're going to be doing. That's the game where you flick the folded golf balls around, and we're going to have a prize for kids and then a prize for adults. I think we're giving away six games of Mars Open for the top three in each category. Now, when I'm at Tantrum Con, am I going to have the ability to play some of the Kickstarters that you guys do incredible previews on? Yes, we have a list of prototypes that we will be bringing that some of them are games that will be on Kickstarter during the event. Um, some of them are, a couple of them are top secret ones that we can't even talk about right now because they're not going to be announced for the next couple weeks, um, but they'll be available at Tantrum Con. And then some of them are games that a lot of people don't have their hands on yet, um, games like Wingspan 
and some of the others that we may have a pre-release of so you can try them out at the con before you get your copy. And speaking of Kickstarters, if uh, you all have never checked out Tantrum House's YouTube channel, you need to. They do tons of great Kickstarter previews, plus just basic uh, kind of game reviews. And you guys are just pumping out videos like crazy. This is this isn't your full-time job though, right? I mean, you have other jobs. Yes, I think I'm the only one in the group that doesn't work full-time, but I homeschool our kids, so it pretty much is it's yep. full-time. That's <laughs> full-time. So, how in the world do you have time to constantly put out I mean, how many videos you put out a week? It's basically one a day. Yeah. So seven Good videos a week. God. What the? We can't even do an episode every other week, Tony, an audio episode. We have three couples who are doing reviews. And then Ben is a videographer who does some of our videos. Kevin and I, we have about three different game groups that we play with. So we're playing a lot of games. Now, we don't have any kids, so we have a little bit more time. And then I know everyone else is playing lots of games, too. Uh, you got a lot more time if you don't have any kids. Am I right, Tony? Oh, yeah, mine moved <laughs> back home and she's 22. <laughs> <laughs> we do have um, some of our work. We have help from Larry the Apprentice and intern Dan. Oh. And then we just took on another intern, Andrew. We need an intern, Tony. What's it take to get an intern? Once again, I'll remind you what I said on the last show. I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> but then you ain't pulling your weight if you're an intern for this show. I know I'm not. So, I mean, one of the things I know from y'all did a thing about reshooting your intro. That is probably one of the coolest intros ever. Well, if we just released in the last week or two. I'm not sure if you're talking about the new one or the last one, the one that's been up for the last year. You can still watch the old one on all the old videos, um, but all the videos released this year, I would say it's definitely like two steps up from the last one. If no, you haven't really? seen it, yes. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's good. See, I actually watch their stuff, Tony. If you go to Tantrum House on YouTube, you can see it. Well, I go to Tantrum House on Kickstarter. You know, the one where they previewed all the Kickstarters and I'm going through the Kickstarter list because as an intern, that's my job. <laughs> so some of the new ones coming up for the Kickstarters in the next couple weeks should have our new intro on them because we have recorded them recently. So, well, I get to see Kevin flick cards. Actually, he uh, does a magic trick Ooh. involving a board game, but I won't spoil it any more than that. <laughs> I'll let you go watch it. Again, that's Tantrum House on YouTube, Ton. Just go search for Tantrum House. That's probably YouTube.com slash Tantrum House, I bet. Yes, I believe so. And I'm sure there's a Facebook page, too. I could probably check it out. Yes. <laughs> and there's probably like a Twitter account, too. It's probably like at Tantrum House. I believe it's <laughs> Tantrum underscore house. And I'm, and I'm sure there's an Instagram account, too. There is an Instagram account. Is that at Tantrum House underscore? Or house, Tantrum House? Or is it Tantrum what? underscore House? I believe it's um, Tantrum underscore House. See, Marty, you can't get on me about not knowing our stuff. Here they are, and they <laughs> and they Good call. I'm just saying. So this this convention is going to be uh, over the course of three days. Uh, you've got some uh, big events going on, but I have a I have, my real concern is what kind of food's going to be there. Well, this is the South, and we are known for pretty great food. So mm -hmm. um, we have some events that have food. So one event, I believe. Um, is it Friday night? We have an event hosted by Bezier Games, and it is a New York Slice tournament. We're going to have a Ooh. giant pizza party, 
And um, we have tons of copies of games to give away to the winners of those events. And then we also have a VIP dinner um, that will feature the Tantrum House crew and some of our VIP guests. So, Melissa, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so Richard Lanius and J.B. Howell, our designers, will be at that event. I'm assuming that you all will be there as our media guests if you haven't, you know, left at that point. Um, but the wait, 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 hold on, so wait, wait, when is it's this? It's Saturday night. What time? Oh, what time is it? 6 p.m. Oh, you should be there. That's early. Is food involved? It is. It is a Carolina barbecue buffet. Oh, 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 Tony, <laughs> yep. we will be there. <laughs> yep. It has grilled barbecue chicken, smoked brisket, <laughs> and it's supposed to have a Batman theme because of the new animated uh Gotham Under Siege game that Richard designed. Nice. Yeah. Okay. We'll be there, Tony. Oh, well, you're driving. Oh, no, you're driving. I'm driving. Yeah. I'm coming to your house and then you're going to drive us, right? Sure. That means you leave when I leave. I like this. Okay. We'll eat. Some, we'll eat. Good. After, after we eat. Yeah. I'm already in hot water enough on Valentine's weekend with my wife. Hey, what are you doing for dinner that night? Well, I'm eating some good bar. Here's a tip. You could surprise her the weekend before Valentine's Day. And have that whole weekend planned with her, and then have another bonus weekend at Tantrum Con. So she's got two weekends filled with all kinds of excitement. Ooh, oh, okay, yeah, point. and that's my birthday weekend. Like, I got to plan my own birthday oh weekend? Oh, my God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I got to deal with. Is all the planning done? Are, are you locked in? Are you ready to go? Or are you still dropping events on the schedule? We just added a few events. I think we're pretty locked in. Double Exposure Envoy, they're going to be running some tournaments. Those were some new things for the South Carolina um, state championships for certain games. And we've just learned that we're going to have about 100 play-to-win games. Ooh. So many opportunities for guests to come away with games. Now, it's not too late to to get a badge or a pass, right? Oh, no. No, there are still... Um, the premium badges are almost sold out. I believe we're down... Well, during the recording, there were five left, but those may be gone by the time this recording goes live. Um, but there are still plenty of badge, regular badge sales and kids' badge sales. Nice. And what are the prices of those and where can they get them? So at Tabletop Events, you can go on to the Tantrum Con. You can also get to our uh, page through www.tantrumcon.com. And then there's a Get Your Badge button there. The regular badges are $60, and that's for all three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The premier badges that may be gone are 90 and then kids are 25, and that's 6 to 12. If they're under 6, then it's free. That's a good deal, Tony. Uh, I agree with you. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. I'm watching the Tantrum House Awards here, wondering if, <laughs> uh, wondering, wondering if how I'd look in that. Hey, can I borrow that skirt? I mean, that's a flashy <laughs> skirt. She's got this flashy hey, skirt for this our. Is, this is getting. This is getting weird. That's why our show is an audio, and oh, theirs is video. Okay. They can pull off the video stuff. We can't. Well, you know, we may need more hosts next year because we're thinking about adding more categories. 
Okay. Well, we could definitely do. I mean, y'all have been y'all have helped us out on our shows, so you just tell us whatever you need, and we'll do it for you. Well, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, we'll have to have you guys on for next year. We have I don't know. There were probably like ten categories that people were like, "You didn't use this category." Well, we are very excited to be heading your way, heading down south to go to Tantrum Con. Hopefully, this will be a yearly thing, an annual thing. Yes. Is it going to be a yearly thing or an annual thing? <laughs> it will be both. Um, yeah, we're already negotiating with the hotels for next year and um, working out plans and planning ahead for the following years. And we're very excited about it. It's going to be a super cool event. There's um, going to be RPG events. Um, some of those are still available on um, the event list if you haven't signed up and you're interested in RPGs. And then there are still several of the tournaments that are available as well. Right. There's going to be Catan National Qualifier. There's going to be Keyforge tournaments. I think one of them with a cash prize. So lots of stuff going on. Okay, Marty, can I bring my Keyforge deck? Of course you can. What, your one deck? My one deck that I bought and got lucky to get? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll let you play it since you understand that game better than me. Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming on. We can't wait to get down there and hang out with y'all for a bit. And again, for anybody else that wants to attend, you can still get uh, passes at Tantrum tantrumcon.com and obviously they've got their uh, YouTube page at uh, Tantrum House and all the little social media stuff that we went over earlier ladies again thank you so much y'all do a fantastic job with your reviews and your videos and everything y'all are going big time tons of subscribers on YouTube uh, almost a video every day it's, it's crazy so that that's amazing well thank you so much Marty <laughs> Yeah, this is lots of fun. Thank you. What, what, do I not get a thanks? What am I? The and Tony. And Tony. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony, before we brought Bonacore on the show, we said, okay, uh, Mr. Bonacore, your segment's probably going to be 20 to 30 minutes. We, we ought to know better. You know, we ought to know better. Just take what we think it's going to be and just multiply it by two when he comes on the show. He's too much fun. Let's face it. He is. Let's face facts. And plus, it was just really cool hearing his from him about uh, how he decides, you know, what games he's going to get, and his experience as a publisher over the years about realizing how games many years ago were a little bit easier to catch fire than what they are today, and how there's so much pressure on him as a publisher what games to put out, when to reprint, whether to reprint. Should I make an expansion for this? So, they, there's a lot of thought that goes into this, and. Like I said, there's thousands of games that come out each year. A lot of them barely even see the light of day, but all these decisions are being made with every single game that comes out. And some of it is a crapshoot, I think. And I mean, I think it was Kickstarter once again and said in 2018, you know, games were leading the charge. Board games, they were the top money getter, if I remember correctly. I can't verify that right now because the internet has really gotten slow here at the house, but that's okay. <laughs> Why would Target invest in shelf space for board games? Expanding sure. expanding that if it, if it wasn't on this week. By the way, the joke that failed at the beginning of the show... <laughs> Okay. Hey, you just want me to do the intro again so you can do the joke real quick? No, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll save it for our little outtake at the end. People can wait for it, okay? Sounds good. Oh, Marty, I can't believe it. You know, I, over on our BGG Guild number 1589, I posted a poll about, have you bought a game yet in 2019? And I, I selected, no, I'm thinking about various Kickstarters. 
I didn't do it. I went ahead and bought a game. What'd you buy? The game, <laughs> what game did I buy? You would ask me that. Well, the first one is something we played at Gen Con, and it was the game. Oh, I'll mess it up. Siub, C-I-U-B. It was that dice rolling game, Amigo Games. It's about um, you're you're manipulating dice. You know me. I'm a sucker for a dice game. I re- sure. I yeah. really am. And I, and I bought that. It's a game that I enjoyed. But then I bought that really hot. This was a hype buy, uh, a hype game. And that is that Mayan building game. Teotihuacan City of... Go look it up. Watch this. You ready? Yeah. Ella taught me this from Ella uh, Does Board Games. Mm-hmm. Ready? Here it goes. Teotihuacan. Say it again. Teotihuacan. Ooh. Chills. Anyway. <laughs> also, I had to learn to say it when I was doing uh, the top 10 video for uh, Miniature Market. Mm-hmm. That was on there one time. It was like, Teotihuacan, 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 Teotihuacan. Yes, I bought that. So I'm I'm excited about us getting that to the table. So that there were my that was an impulse. It was hot hot buy. I saw it on the new release. I know it sold out last time, and I said, "Well, I'm going to go ahead and grab one before it sells out again." And as of this show, it still have. I think they still have close to 300 copies. <laughs> should have waited for the drop. Wait, wait, I should have gone for the drop. That's it. Should have gone for the drop. Oh, but yeah, I'm real excited because, you know, in in Cube, you can keep rolling dice and taking names. Once again, a big thanks to all our guests for coming on the show today. And a big thanks to you for listening to us. If you want to, you can follow us on Twitter at Dice and Names. Join our BGG Guild, 1589. Follow us on Instagram, Dice and Names, or you can like us on Facebook. And if you want to support the show, you can do so at either podpledge.com slash rdtn or podgepledge.com slash rdtn Thou shall not pitch (laughs) (laughs) See, it was going to be funny You heard Stephen talk about terraforming Mars and the fact that, yes, he admits his player boards may not be what you want. Well, we've got the solution for you. That's right over at the Broken Token. That's what's in our copy of Terraforming Mars, the Broken Token solution of their player boards for that game. So if you're thinking about after listening to Stephen going out and getting your copy, be sure to go head over to thebrokentoken.com. Check those things out. Marty, those things do make that game so much more enjoyable. Okay, the game was already enjoyable, but it just holds the pieces in place. Love those game trays because you can actually leave all the pieces inside the game tray and they stack on top of each other and it fits nicely in the box. That's over at thebrokentoken.com.